Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bienvenidos, señoras y señores, to another episode of the Bleed Loss Podcast. This episode of the Bleed Loss Podcast has been brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. Everything from pro and college basketball to UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, BetOnline is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. And joining us on the Carne Asada this week, we got a special guest host who's going to help us uh, filling in for Alonzo and La Princesa de Picolandia, Alicia Del Valle, is none other than the public address announcer for the South Bay Lakers, Jason Barquero. Jason, ¿cómo estás, amigo? Muy bien, y muchas gracias por tenerme aquí. I appreciate it. Hi, everybody. All right. Welcome to the Carne Asada. So, Jason, we're uh, we're gonna we're gonna induct you into uh, how we do things. So let's get into it. I I know all the Dodger fans lost their mind this week. The season's over. What's the point of even playing? We don't stand a chance. Gavin Lux goes down with a pretty horrific injury. Um, I, I love how everyone, when it happened, everybody was just like, "Oh, that was bad." But then everybody's sharing the video of Gavin Lux and it, it looked like his knee just gave out on him or, or was it his ankle? It just looked really awkward. Uh, initially, I mean, and then what I feel really bad about is the next day when they announced that he had torn his ACL, you have all these microphones in his face, the poor guys on the verge of tears. And it was just like, man, they couldn't even give him a day just a day to relax and take it all in. Jason, what are what are your thoughts on this Gavin Lux injury? You know, what's interesting, I had just told, uh, for my first reaction when I saw that that went down, I was in a, a text group with some friends, and one of the first things I said was, I feel really bad for the guy. I didn't feel bad for us as fans. I didn't feel bad for the team immediately. It was for him, because I think we all know how much he was looking forward to this season it was his position to lose as they say right i mean it, it's for him to step into the shortstop role or be a leader in the infield there and you really felt for him that was my first thing and what i texted a buddy of mine i said you know he's probably in tears then the video comes out of the interview a couple hours later and you see him literally in tears right and it, it i think every dodger fan watched that and said holy smokes that hurts that, that's human right that's real there so from that perspective, outside of baseball, you know, I hope the guy gets better. I hope the team rallies around him. I hope they really – it's happened to everybody, you know, from Kershaw to you name it, where you're going to miss a season because you tear something. So um, that crushes me for the kid because, I mean, he had a great season last year. As a fan and for them, for the ball club, yeah, I'm pretty crushed too for a few different reasons. Um, one, we lose a significant bat. I mean, let's call it what it is. I don't have the number in front of me, but he was about a 290 hitter most of the year last year. I don't know where he ended, but definitely up there for the team. Um, losing Trey Turner, you lose Gavin Lux. I mean, that's the way you got to look at it now. 
um, you, you lose out defensively and you lose out a couple of bats. So I think the Dodgers are hemorrhaging a little bit there. Um, and that's my initial reaction. And it leaves a little bit of a hole in the infield for the team. Uh, we can go on a little bit more. I know before we started the show, I had some thoughts about about the position and what have you. But yeah, it, this is a significant loss. This is a starter that you've lost that uh, I think was on his way to perhaps all star status. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get to the replacements. Let's just uh, mourn a little bit more about Gavin Lux, uh, Babyface. Um, I know you texted me immediately saying even before they had announced. The minute the injury happened, Jason, Babyface texted me saying Lux is out for the season. Like, baby, and but yet I'm the Prince of Darkness, right? <laughs> Babyface, what were your initial thoughts when when you saw that injury take place? Oh yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, we didn't know what was going on, but just when you when you see that replay and you see how his the way his 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 leg caught, I mean, his, his cleat caught, right? His cleat got stuck, and then his his leg went sideways. You know, just in 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 obviously a unnatural position, and and then he goes down, and then you know he didn't want to put any weight on it. And, you know, a lot of the guys were saying, well, maybe he was just too scared to put weight on it. But you can just tell, like he, he couldn't put no no weight on it. You know, they have they had to take him off on the cart. And he, and once you see that, you're kind of you're kind of already your mind already knows. Okay, that's ACL, right? That's 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 a tear. That's that's something bad, and and that's why that my initial reaction is, oh God, he he's out, he's out for the season. That's that's an ACL tear, and unfortunately, that's that's what happened. And and you know, it, it really sucks. Like you said, you know, a lot of guys have been saying this was his year to, you know, he was going to play shortstop. Even though there was still a lot of people going into the season, like, oh, he's not going to he's not going to be the starting shortstop. He was going to be the starting shortstop with Rojas filling in you know on occasion but it, it was it was Gavin Lux's position right he was going to be the number one shortstop and you know it sucks to to see him go down now and, and now you know Dodgers got to scramble right they got to they got to figure out what they're going to do there you know now they're 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 you know infield depth is down uh, one guy and you know their bats down another guy so you got to see what they're going to do I guess Howard Cole was right because Howard Cole said there was no way Gavin Lux was ever going to play shortstop for the Dodgers. Well, Howard, yeah, you're right. It doesn't look like uh, Gavin Lux is going to play shortstop. I, Jason, I think you bring up a very good point in terms of his bat because I think that is what's going to be severely missed because you are already going to have to replace Trey Turner's bat. That's 100 RBIs close to a 300 average. Okay, that you were going to replace. And what is Gavin Lux known for? It was for his hitting. We saw signs last year before he got hurt that he was actually showing promise of being an offensive player. Defensively, I was always concerned. I've always been concerned about, oh, you're going to put Gavin Lux at, at short. So the fact that Gavin Lux is not going to be playing short for them, and now you, the, I mean, immediately you started seeing Miguel Rojas you know, is going to see some time there. You're going to see maybe Chris Taylor. And I know Jason wants to get into that. But before we do that, I, I just want to, this is going to age me. Uh, I know, I mean, we may have some older uh, listeners who will relate to this. But I know one of our listeners sent me a message also the minute this message happened, uh, the the injury happened, and that was they thought of Pedro Guerrero. This is what happened to Pedro Guerrero. He slid into third and tore up his knee. And if you look at his numbers, 
Pedro Guerrero still hit close to 300 every year, and that's how good he was. But a lot of people said he was never the same after he tore up his knee. I feel bad if that's what happens with Gavin Lux because he never really got a chance to to show what he could do to to be like, hey, this is the reason why I deserve to be up in the major leagues. And I think that's what's really sad. And I think that's why it's it's a very good reminder when you see him in on the virgin tears talking to I think it's crossing his mind that it's like that sense of doubt is like, am I going to get to play again? Am I going to recover? Because you guys remember, I'm old enough to remember when Adrian Gonzalez hurt his shoulder and the next thing you know, Cody Bellinger showed up and all of a sudden Adrian Gonzalez doesn't have a position with the Dodgers anymore. I I mean, I hope it doesn't get to that point, but is that just me just being the Prince of Darkness, Jason? No, I think you bring up a really, a couple of really good uh, valid points there. One is in the bat. I'm with you. I, I wasn't convinced that he was going to be this amazing shortstop. Shortstop, I mean, I don't know how you all feel, but that, to me that is the most difficult position to play in the infield, right? It, it, it really demands of an elite status of an infielder. I don't know if Gavin Lux was exactly there yet. But then again, we never really gave him a true chance in that position. But even assuming we would move him to second base, be that as it may, the bat is lost, right? He was one of the more consistent bats on that lineup and just quietly getting better and better and better. So we're going to hurt there. So I agree that that's the biggest loss there. Um, I think in terms of, you know, will he be back? I think the neat thing about the, uh, you know, when, when you talk about Pedro Guerrero and you go back to even, even further back the Sandy Koufax days and, you know, the man only plays seven or eight seasons or so. A lot of folks don't even know that and retired at a very young age. Um, yeah. But now we've advanced, I think a lot with technology and with a lot of the medical technologies and training and therapies. And so I'm hoping that I think through that, uh, he's going to make out okay, just like we've seen these pitchers come back from Tommy John surgeries like we've never used to see them 15, 20 years ago before. So that gives me hope for the guy. The one thing I am concerned, though, and I'm, and this just could be me. I have no background in physical therapy. I understand the guy uh, gained 10 pounds, and 10 pounds of muscle was getting bigger in the offseason. I'm always concerned when ball players, especially baseball players, grow a little bit too fast. They get a little bit too bulky and stocky. And then all of a sudden, their movement is not the same. And if you look at the way he was running those bases, was the guy maybe just a little bit too big, just looked a little sloppy. And so those are the kinds of things that I'm not trying to put blame, but I think the trainers and the experts in the world that are surrounding him and the Dodgers, you know, I know every player wants to look good and then feel good and get out there and, and hit, the, hit the weights. Um, sometimes that extra bulk I don't think necessarily uh, is an advantage, and that's just me. But that's the, one of the second things that I thought when that happened to him yesterday. You know, I think that's a very interesting observation. To me, though, I have to say, I don't think Gavin Lux has ever looked smooth running the base pads. Like, I always thought, can we get this guy a helmet that fits him? I don't know how many (laughs) times that guy would run around the bases and his helmet would come flying off. But that is interesting, you know, because when you – and he's not the only one that bulked up. Mookie has looked a little stronger. He looks a little bigger. Um, and that's because the Dodgers had told these guys they want them to be stronger. They wanted them to. So I am curious to see how these guys who are carrying that extra weight, how, how they're going to feel. Uh, Babyface, I, I, you have no concerns. I mean, you're right. I mean, he might be the $6 million man. They can rebuild him. Are, are you confident that this guy's going to be able to make a comeback? 
Yeah, I mean, I I know he'll come back, right? I mean, it's just how how's he going to feel when he comes back? Like, right, you know, how long is this injury going to take? It's like nine months, ten months recovery, right? So when he gets back on the field, you know, is he going to be a little hesitant to put a little yeah. pressure on that on that leg or, you know, when he's running, right? I heard, another, I heard a scenario today with, uh, with Ronald Acuna, right? He hurt himself in 2021, right? And still last year, he still kind of wasn't himself. Now until this year, he's kind of feeling more of himself. So they're saying it's like a two-year injury just to kind of to get back to feeling how you felt. So, you know, that may be the case with Lux, right? Like, you know, he, yeah, he might be back next year, but is he going to be fully back, right? Is he is he just ready to let loose, right? Or is he still going to be a little cautious, like, hey, you know, he remembers what happened to his leg, right? So that's kind of what you 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 worry about a little bit, right? Because you're always going to have that psyche, right, in your head, just thinking, well, what, what's going to happen? What's going to, you know, am I going to hurt myself again? If I, Especially if you come back too fast. So... That's one of the things I think uh, we got to we got to keep an eye on, and that's the other thing that I think kind of sucks for this poor guy because he's going to lose this year, and if it's going to take him another year to recover, that's probably going to take him right up to contract time, right? Yeah. Because what this will be his this is supposed to be what his third year of service, or is this considered his second year of service? That's a good point. I don't know what the how many gains he would have had to put in this first year. When did he he was up in twenty one, right? Right, yeah, twenty one. Yeah, so 21, 22, and this will be his third year, I believe. So if next year he's still struggling, he's still recovering, everything that you just said right now where he's still not himself, because, yeah, we have heard that from many players who have gotten injured, that it usually takes – I mean, look at what happened with Max Muncy's season last year. So it's like poor Gavin Lux. I mean, And then the, the Dodgers are going to be put in a position of like, okay, do we invest in this guy? And then, like I said, there's guys in that minor league system that are chomping at the bit. I'm very curious to see what happens with Michael Bush now because yeah. I think Michael Bush was blocked. Michael Bush didn't have a, a way to get up here. With Lux now gone, does that open the door for Michael Bush? I mean, what do you think, Jason? Yeah, I think it does. I think it opens up. Uh, I was watching the game a little bit today, and I've seen what he's done so far. It looks like everyone's impressed with Michael Bush. Um, I didn't know a lot about him coming in from what I'm seeing now, though. I think we're going to hear a lot about him coming up in the next week or so. I think it does open up a spot for, let, let's call it what it is. I think the Dodgers are now ranked number one again in, in their farm system. Um, yeah. And so that's, you know, there, there's a lot of talent there. Um, I think there's an opportunity, though, that the Dodgers may make a trade if they don't make a trade right now, that perhaps by the trading deadline. I don't think they're going to sit and just hope that a Michael Bush or anyone else comes uh, comes around and becomes their savior. They were already running on thin ice. It's, it felt like it was one of those teams that they were one injury away from really you know, hurting. This could be that injury when you take a look at uh, the lineup up and down the order. Um even if a Rojas comes in, who's a phenomenal infielder, the bat's not there. That's that's not his yeah. forte. And so you need to make up for it somewhere else, right? So I think it does open up a slot for some one of the youngsters. Um, but it's 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 we're gonna have to wait and see. It really, it might take more than just spring training to see who's really the next the next one to step up. Well, I, I think there's a perfect time to segue into something I know you have strong belief in, and that is, <laughs> what are we going to do? Who is going to step up and and replace Gavin Lux at shortstop? So, look, from the beginning, the Dodgers had said that Miguel Rojas was going to play all over the infield. Now, this injury may cause him to play shortstop a little more. 
Immediately when the injury was announced and he was gone for the season, poor Chris Taylor, who was working out with just the outfielders, preparing himself to spend the whole season out in the outfield, now has to start a throwing program for the infield. Now, Chris Taylor has played shortstop before. The year Corey Seager got hurt, Chris Taylor spelled him uh, for a, a few games before they got uh, El Ministro de, de, de la Defensa, Manny Machado. But I know, Jason, you have some very strong feelings on Chris Taylor playing shortstop. Let me hear it. Don't hold back. <laughs> it only took you 10 seconds to see that right before we went live. <laughs> Well, here's the deal, and 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 I'll now now I'm going to get on my soapbox for a second because it do it, do it. To me, it goes back to Dave Roberts. It's moments like these where I lose confidence on Dave Roberts, and this is why. My dad and I were having this conversation the other day before the seat, the uh, spring training started, and he and he felt the same way, and he said, you know, my feeling is you have all this talent, wonderful talent, but what Roberts is going to do is what he always does. He plays what I call daddy ball. Meaning that, you know, obviously he doesn't have a kid that plays on this team, but he has his favorites. I've yeah. always believed he's had his favorites since day one. And I think it's very, it's very obvious. And he's very loyal. He's a player's coach. So he's very loyal to veterans, to his own detriment, as we've seen in the playoffs. And so he'll leave guys there too long because he likes the guy. You can just tell that's what it is. He'll, he'll, uh, it, he'll make moves that just don't make sense. So what my fear is, going back to Chris Taylor, he's going to give Chris Taylor this shortstop position. He, I can guarantee you Rojas will not open on opening day. Only I hope I'm wrong, but knowing Roberts, he'll go up to Taylor and say, this is yours to lose, man. You're our guy. You, you, you were there in the World Series, all every single World Series. Chris Taylor's a super utility guy at best. He's not your starter. He's not an everyday starter. He shouldn't be an everyday starter on, on any lineup. If he is, then you know that you have an issue. You need to make a move. He's a guy that can come in the clutch. He's come in the clutch in the past. But if you have a guy like Rojas, I think that's where you need to go. He's a veteran. He's an amazing shortstop. He's, I mean, he's as good as Trey Turner at short. I mean, this is not me talking. This is what experts are saying. He's great. It's just that his offense hasn't always been there. So I think what you do is you put a Rojas at shortstop and you make up for that bat somewhere else via a trade or a move or something you got to do. Um, now, you, you're hoping at this point that Muncy can pick it up because last year was he was just – married to the Mendoza line the entire year. And you had a couple of guys, you got rid of one in Bellinger, but you still got another guy teetering around 190. You can't have that, right? So you only got Freeman and Smith uh, really in your in your infield with true bats. But going back to that, that's my fear. I always look to a manager and a coach because I think this is where they earn their contract. In moments, it's easy to manage when you got all these all-stars and they're healthy and anyone here on this podcast can put together that lineup on any given night. Um, but I think I think it's when you have injuries and you need to make moves and decisions like this where coaches are made. And I'm hoping that Dave Roberts really gives a chance, not just to this guy, but I'm also talking about Vargas. I'm talking about Outman. I think these are guys that need to be playing really now. I mean, you don't have any – I, I see a lot of holes that I don't see an excuse why you wouldn't play them every day and let them just be comfortable in that position and grow – but I oftentimes feel like, well, we're going to throw Hayward in there because he's been around for 10 years. And maybe the guy will surprise us. I could be wrong. He hit a dinger today. Um, but I'd love to see these youngsters get a chance. Taylor's had his opportunity. He's shown us what he can give us at this point. And I don't know if we're going to see much more. That, that's my soapbox. <laughs> uh, Babyface, are you comfortable if Taylor get, gets the majority of time at shortstop? 
I was trying to find what was tweeted out today, but if I remember correctly, so far what Dave Roberts said is kind of the opposite. He said that Rojas uh, is going to get probably, I think it was like 80% of the starts at shortstop, and then Taylor would probably, you know, get the rest. So that's what he said, right? So, you know, obviously we'll see what happens going forward, you know, what happens on opening day. I mean, that kind of, that makes the most sense, right? Yeah. But, you know, it it remains to be seen. Um, But, I mean, still, you know, I'm not sold, obviously, on Taylor at short. You know, even even Rojas, you know, kind of he he had that 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 injury with his hand that he just that he just got. Um, he had surgery a couple weeks ago, right? And he's kind of coming back from that. Um, the cramping issue kind of scares me. Like, okay, is that really going to be a cramp or is it going to be like a hammy? You know, so like the injury, especially when you start getting up higher in in the age, right? Those injuries kind of, you know, we're, we see it with LeBron, right? We're seeing what's going on with LeBron, right? He's getting hurt, like, left ah, and right. You, oh, wow, only 20 <laughs> minutes into the show, and you so, had to throw in your crapping on LeBron. Now, go ahead, just so, rip on, on Mr. Glass while you're at it. Well, so, but, you know, my point is, you know, guys getting up in age, right? Those injuries come a lot faster and a lot easier. So that's, that's right. my concern there. So if Rojas goes down, now what, right? What, what do you do? So that poses my next question. Normally, I would think give it a month. Give it a first season of the month. See if you have in-house solutions. There's Major League Baseball people that will tell you you have to give it two months. Give it until June. If by June you don't have an in-house solution, then you need to go out and find somebody. Is it better for the Dodgers to give it two months? Or do you think they can get a shortstop right now at a cheaper price, whether it be via trade. I know, Babyface, you had mentioned a name that I was very intrigued at, that I was kind of hoping the Dodgers would sign in the offseason. Is he still a free agent, Iglesias? Yeah, he played with the Rockies last year? Yeah, he's still available, right? I mean, he's he's not really... I thought he signed with the Tigers, so no, he's still available. I believe he's still available, yes. I mean, he's not a bat, right? But he's... But none of the guys we have right now are are, are bats. And Mm -hmm. if you're going to already struggle to score runs, wouldn't defense be a much bigger priority? I I think we're going to go back to how long ago was it, Babyface, when we had those Dodger teams where they were, it was like, if they score two runs, that's it. That's it. We're over. We got blown out because these guys just could not score runs. But... I mean, Jason, what what do you do? Do you wait or do you go now and get a shortstop now, knowing you don't have a shortstop for the whole season? You know, if this was a year ago and I lose somebody, I might say wait because the team was more stacked. Yeah. This year, the Padres are the team to beat. Right. That's my call. I, I like the Padres better. I like where they sit better. I think they're the number one team in the West and probably one of the best teams in the National League. And internally, the Dodgers know this. They just won't admit it. Do, so do you now, hear that hiss, Jason? That's that's the listeners just going, who is this? I guy? know, I know. That's why, that's why, why I love radio. <laughs> that's yeah. why you guys that's why you're, you're listening gonna I tell it like it is. The Padres are the team to beat, in my opinion. So when you look at that lineup and you look at the Dodgers lineup, even before the Lux injury, and now you lose that, you can't wait till June because you might be 10 games out by June if you're hurting. And so you, you really need to go in with that mindset. You need to be smart about it this year. You're not the same Dodgers you were the last two years. This is not a 106, 110 win team right now. I don't even think it's 100 wins. And so not that it needs to be, right? I've, we've seen teams, the Giants, win World Series with 88 wins. But the point is they need to be stacked a little bit better. 
I, it doesn't even have to be a, a shortstop. When I look at the infield right now, who's your second baseman? So if today was opening day, who's at first? We know Freeman. Who's at second? Who's at short? And who's at third? Muncie can't play second and third at the same time, nor can he play either of them very well. But anyway, that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> he's not, I don't find him very strong defensively either. Muncie's not a, he's a, he's a designated hitter, in my opinion, is where he belongs. But the Dodgers are desperate. They don't have – Turner's gone, both Turners, so they need to play him somewhere. So you got that already on the left side. So if you're going to play Muncie at third, who's your second baseman? So if it's Rojas at short, now you're stuck with Taylor at second either way. So Taylor's going to be in that lineup. I'm telling you know Roberts. Well, is well, lower. Robert Roberts is telling us Miguel Vargas is going to play second base, right. even no, though he's never played second base. Uh, Miguel Rojas was going to be the shortstop. Rojas, Miguel I'm sorry. Vargas, they're saying is going to be their second baseman. Go go ahead. I, I hope so. Roger, I want to hear what you think, but I, I, I would love that. I would love to see this kid say, hey, go for it, because I think he has no business in the minors anymore. They're tearing it up, but and they can't do much worse than what, what we have in some of these <laughs> positions. But anyways. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what it looks like. It looks like Vargas Vargas is going to be your second baseman, though he has no – I mean, he's looked good. I mean, reports that we keep he seeing, has. They're, they're, he's playing good, some good defense at second, right? So he's he's learning on the job. I mean, but it also made me think, like, well, I mean, he played third. He's playing second. Could he play short, right? I mean, is he is he athletic enough to play shortstop? I mean, I don't, so, I don't so know. So, Babyface, let, let me ask you this, all right? And, and take off your homer hat. Are you completely comfortable? This dude has never played second base in his life. You're going to put him at shortstop where he's never played before. And just like Jason had said, this is shortstop. I mean, this is shortstop in the major leagues. Are you confident testing Vargas out in shortstop? I mean, if you're going to test him right now, is the time to do it, right? In spring training, right? When yeah, if you know, get him some reps, see how he looks, right? I mean, I don't think there's no harm in seeing how he looks. Like, yeah, if it's not his thing right now, whatever, you keep working on it, maybe, and maybe next season he can become a short. Like I said, just kind of to get that look. Like, is he? I mean, we know what his bat can do now. Like I said, is he athletic enough to play shortstop? I mean, we've seen some, you know, Marks is a pretty big guy, right? I and mean, we've seen Seeger as short, right? You know, you had guys like A-Rod as short, right? Big guys, right? So maybe, I mean, I don't know. It's, you know, just it's just because that's one of the things when we look at the Dodgers minor league system that's been pretty stacked, there's no shortstop. No. There's no, there's no shortstop. Well, they, they had a shortstop, point. and they traded him away from Miguel Rojas. I mean, but he still wasn't one of those guys that was pegged to be a superstar, right? No, like, he like, wasn't. But let me tell you, if you had Jacob Amaya right now, wouldn't you feel a little better? Yeah, I mean, it, but I guess the same thing. We got we got Vargas, right? So I mean, so there is technically a shortstop, right? But you know, but we, Vargas has never played shortstop. We don't I mean, know if he's a Rojas, shortstop. Sorry, sorry, Rojas. <laughs> the Miguel's are driving everybody crazy on the show. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to come up with nicknames besides but, Miggy. You know, if, if I can say this, though, I, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Vargas if he wanted to move and try short. But I don't think you have to because whether you have him at second or short, you're still in the same problem. So you move Vargas to short. So who plays second? Right. You know, so it's so if you have Vargas at second, then you might as well and you have a bat there. Then you can carry a guy. You know, it kind of brings you back to the old days of shortstop. Shortstops now are expected to hit 30 home runs and huge and big. You go back to the Aussie Smiths, Omar Vizquez, and all those days. These are guys that hit 230, 220, but, man, they were money. Nothing is getting past that. So my philosophy, if I were the Dodgers, that's where I go. I look at, um, 
not Miguel Vargas, Miguel Rojas, <laughs> Rojas as your Omar Vizquel per se. You know yeah. he's not going to hit, he's going to hit number eight or seven or so, but he's money at short. And I try to build around somewhere else and try to at, make up for that bat. If Vargas hopefully makes it happen at second, I'm really hoping that, um, I, I believe the X factor this year is Muncie. I think if Muncie is playing with the Mendoza line again, then you have a really big issue. Um, because you you know in terms of a, a true third baseman, um, you got JD Martinez at DH and Martinez, and so we'll see how that works out. Um, but yeah, that, that's my biggest concern with the Lux thing is not so much the defense because I think they have a defensive solution for it. It's more the offense. Where, where are you going to make that up? If it's not at short, you got to make it up somewhere else in a different position. I, I, Jason, I think you bring up very good points because here's the other thing. I, what I'm concerned about with Miguel Vargas is this. The guy is going to be playing a position that he's never played for, uh, played at before. Now, on top of that, everybody is saying, "Look, we know what we can do with the what he can do with the bat." But my question is this: Do we? I know last year was a very small sample size, and he was brought up at the end of the season. He hit one seventy, and I've seen other players do that. They come up, they struggle, and then the next season they break out. I'm hoping that's the case with Miguel Vargas. But I hear that a lot. Well, you know, his bad, his bad. I was just like, look, there are some people that are 4A players, you know, and that's what separates you between AAA and the, and the majors. So I think the verdict is still out on Miguel Vargas, and that's concerning to me with all these holes that you have there is just like, we, we don't know what we're going to get. So that's why... This injury, at least with Lux, we knew he could hit because he showed it last year right. that, that he could hit. Now it's just like not, you got to replace him. You're losing offense. You've lost Trey Turner. You don't know what you're hoping a bounce back season from from Max Muncie. I know Justin Turner was showing signs of decline, but he had a monster second half of the season. He still season. had a good year, yeah. He still had a good year. So I, I am concerned with the amount of offense that you're losing, especially when you have a pitching staff that we haven't even gotten into that you're cutting and pasting together that you know there's going to be injuries. Now, the one good thing about that is you have much more depth, I think, on the pitching side in the minor leagues than you do with position players right now in the minor leagues. So... I, I, I want to segue. I, I think we've spent much time. I know all the all our listeners right now and viewers are just like, ah, oh, what's the point of playing this season <laughs> then? It's over. Let's get to We were going to lead with this before Max, before Gavin Lux ended up having this horrific injury because I saw a lot of vitriol, a lot of hatred. People were just like disowning baseball with the whole pitch clock thing. Jason, what were your initial thoughts on the pitch clock? Oh, gosh. Your fans already hate me because of the Padres <laughs> comment, and now you're going to ask me another It's all right. I, I, people, you can come at me. I'm good with that. Um, you know, I, I'm skeptical. I was skeptical going in. I'm actually feeling a little bit better um, about it. So here's what I think is going to happen. I think we're all going to be okay with the pitch clock. It's you know we're, The media is going to show the Manny Machado thing, and they're going to show a couple of – but by and large, it looks like the players are actually adapting a little bit quicker. Doesn't mean they love it, but they're adapting and they're doing it and they're moving along. I I like that the game is moving a little bit quicker. 
I didn't really care as a baseball fan all my life, as a Dodger fan all my life. I was fine with the speed of play. I'm sure you and all and probably most of your fans and baseball lovers alike are the same. Having said that, this is a business and it is not built around, you know, they're not looking at this Major League Baseball from how do we please Jason, the guy who we know is going to spend tons of money and buy a bunch of beer coming here anyway. Yeah. How do we please the people that are on the fence that have left baseball or maybe don't go to as many games because it's too long or too boring? They need to make money, right? And so I think it was the right move to move along. Um, I'm a little bit weirded out about it because I feel like some of these games might be going too fast. I, I don't think they anticipated that they'd be shaving off 20, 25 minutes a game. And all of a sudden now, all I got to say is you might spend half the game at a beer line at Dodger Stadium. And if you don't get there early, folks, it may be the third inning. And I'm not joking by the time you get there. So I think from a business perspective, I, I predict that Major League Baseball is going to shoot themselves in the foot. I think you're going to see concession numbers go down because less time will be played at the ball game. People will spend less money at a ball game. So that's going to be very interesting, um, especially with sponsors. I think that'll be interesting as well, how they react to stuff like that. For the game itself and what's happening on the field, I actually think it's going to hurt the batters more than the players. I, I think it comes at them a little bit faster, the game, than it does for the pitchers. I think the pitchers will be fine jumping in there and, and moving in. I think the batters are the ones that are like, whoa, I feel like they're fast pitching me now. Oh, quick pitching me, I should say. And, and I, they'll adjust. But, um, yeah, that, that, those, are, those are some of my initial thoughts. Uh, Babyface, I know you have some very strong thoughts on the pitch clock. So the floor is yours, sir. Let let all that venom just come out right now. Well, I mean, I've heard a lot of things about the pitch clock. Like initially, yeah, I don't I don't like the pitch clock. I felt like it's too fast. I get the idea of the pitch clock, right? To to make the you know these games are averaging what like two twenty, two thirty, right? Like I mean, they're flying by. Like games are like just flying by. Like Jason said, like you know, a lot of people show up at Dodger Stadium late because of traffic, right? They're trying to get in, take them an hour to get in, and if they do arrive in the third inning. Right, this game's gonna be. I mean, it's gonna. It'll probably be like the fourth or fifth, you know, if they were arriving in the third. So, so there's that, right? Um, I think if they're gonna keep the pitch clock, you gotta maybe extend it a little bit. You know, the 20 seconds in between, I think it's a little too fast. You know, maybe another 20 seconds or 30 seconds, just kind of. I think you can still play with that. So that that's one of the issues, right? Um, Another one of the issues I was hearing too is how this is it going to affect pitchers, right? Guys that are throwing heat, right? A hundred, a hundred miles per hour plus, right? They got to throw their pitch, come back, reload, throw another pitch, like super fast, right? Is that going to cause more injuries? Remains to be seen, right? We don't, we don't know. That's still an unknown, right? Um, so things like that. The thing that that was that was really bugging me is I. I was wondering out loud because a college game happened uh, like this that ended on a pitch clock violation. That can't happen in the major leagues. It happened in the spring training game where they, there was a pitch clock violation and the game was over. You cannot have pitch clock violations ending any game, especially you know during the regular season. It could affect obviously for later on in you know the season if you lost that game or whatever. But come playoff time, you have a walk off pitch. Come on, people are gonna freaking lose their minds if that happens. So. They got to come up with something for that, um, just to figure out what are they going to do in those situations. You know, it's the ninth inning, bases are loaded, tie game, and somebody pitch clock violation. The batter, the pitcher, he strikes out or or he walks in a run. Right, you, you can't have that in 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 you know playoffs. You know, I 
okay, I, I hear your point there, and I've heard some possible suggestions like that maybe in the ninth inning we, we take off the pitch clock. So we don't have a scenario like you just described. But here's my thing. A game can end on a balk, right? I mean, it still sucks. People still get pissed off when a game ends on a balk where you're just like, so how often does a game end with a balk? I mean, that's very rare. I, I have a feeling the pitch clock violation can be can something that can happen more often than a balk, though. Okay, but I don't think you're giving these players enough credit then because they're going to have all of spring training to figure this out. So you don't have any confidence that these guys can, by the time the season starts, figure out, I need to be in the batter's box, I need to be ready to go? I mean, they can figure it out, but... This is it's spring training, whatever, even games that don't mean a lot. Now, when it, like you said, when it really matters, right? You got to go out there and win this game. The pressure's on in the ninth inning, right? Things are going to, like, these guys are anxious. The pitcher's going to be anxious. The hitter's going to be anxious. Like, a lot can change, you know, from a, game, a must win game in, in September or a game in October versus a game right now in spring training in, in, in February and March. Yeah, but by the time we get to the playoffs, they're going to have already played a whole season uh, uh, under these new rules. And if anything, we know that players are creatures of habit. So they're already going to be in the habit of getting into the box immediately. So I just don't think that it's going to... I think it's an issue now because it's new and people are, are getting used to it. By the time the season starts, by the time we get to the All-Star game, I'm hoping that by the time we get to the playoffs, they have this figured out. But hell... They couldn't figure out the shift. They couldn't figure out, hey, I'll just bunt down the third baseline. Why? Because they're such creatures of habit. This is the way I hit. This is the way I'm going to do it. The fact that we had to change the rules with the shift, I think, is an indictment of just how people can't play the fundamentals of the game. You want people to stop playing that way? Beat them. Hit the ball the opposite field. Bunt Make them not play the shift. The fact that you have to have a rule to not play the shift, I just, I, I just didn't think that was necessary. Jason, are we just not giving these players enough credit that they can adjust to this? No, and you bring up a really, really good point in what you just said about, I've heard that argument before, you know, why didn't they just adjust, right? If you don't want the shift, then hit it the other way and do that the other way. And that's true. I hated the shift since day one. I'm glad they got rid of it. I, I was a big proponent of getting rid of it. I equate it to playing illegal defense in basketball, right? And so there's an illegal defense rule. And in many sports, basketball has it. There's certain things you cannot do for the sake of offense, right? And that's really why yeah. the league has these things in place. And I think the same is true here. Um, I think it's finally going to give Cody Bellinger a chance to bring his uh, his average up and every other left-hander out there that won't have to try to hit it over the over two-second baseman. But I, I like that they ended the shift. But that's a good point, though, about what you bring up of, um, you know, are we not giving them enough credit? I think they'll get it together in terms of the time, the clock by about all, the all-star break. However, it's it's going to happen where inevitably, and it'll happen in the playoffs, someone will just have a brain fart, and they'll forget to get back in the box or something, and that's a strike, and, and all hell's going to break loose. Yeah. Uh, the world's going to go nuts. So I think what the league needs to institute is some kind of a warning. So when if it happens the first time, it's a warning, and maybe it's not a strike call yet. But the next time it happens, then it's a strike. Every I know something like that. So you're not, you know, on your first one, that's it. Strike three, call, you're done. Ugh. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm 
yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't give, I don't give no knock on the players. I just don't give humans or myself. I, I would be struck out. I'm like Manny. I probably would get struck out every other time because I, I don't, you know, it's, it's an adjustment for some folks. Are you okay with a warning, babyface? Does that is that compromise, or do you just want this damn clock out? Period. I mean, I don't, I don't think baseball needs a clock, right? There's no, there's no. That's the beauty of baseball that there's no clock. That's yeah. that's you know that's my. I mean, I like I said, I get it. I, I think there still needs to be some some tweaks to it and some adjustments to get it to where like okay, that that's okay. If that's that will work, right? You know, whether it's warnings or adjusting the time a little bit. Um, but I don't know. I, I did. I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, an, interesting, an interesting tweet from uh, the pitching ninja, Rob Friedman. Did you see the the Landon Knack side by side with Pedro uh, Baez? Yes. Landon, he threw a, a whole inning, got three outs. By the time Pedro Baez threw one pitch, and, and th- th- I think it was in the playoffs, in, in I think it was uh, the year they're playing the Cubs in, yeah. in 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 eighteen or something like that, right? Or or actually sixteen. But yeah, it, it was interesting that Pedro Baez, that whole whatever it was, that whole clip was like I don't know three minutes long. He threw one pitch in that in that time. You know, <laughs> yeah. and that's what sucks. This whole rule was created to stop Pedro Baez, and he's not even in the league anymore. So you got, hey, Major League Baseball, you can stop picking on La Mula. He's he's not even in the league anymore. I I mean it's. It's a, it's interesting. I think compromises. I'm hoping that Major League Baseball is open to making these kind of changes and listening to the players. Because, yes, the last thing you want. I think, Jason, you make a very excellent point. I wonder what this is going to do to business. Because if, on a regular basis, you have games that are 220, two and a half, and you're going to see owners are starting to lose money at the concession stand, you better believe they're going to start complaining and saying, we need to get rid of that pitch clock. The pitch clock is is what's messing up because especially, I mean, look what the Dodgers did with Dodger Stadium. They turned that center field plaza. Dodger Stadium now is just a hangout place. I see people that don't even go to their seat. They just hang out at the bars and they just drink all the time. And they're watching the games on the TV at the bar then actually watching and you're at the stadium. So I, I think that's a very interesting point, Jason. I think that's what's going to happen. I, I really believe when the numbers come in and we all know money is what this is about and, and it's going to rule at the end of the day, when you shave off uh, even 10%, 15%, 20% of the game, you know, if a game, the average game was going three hours and now it's going two and a half. I mean, that's a tremendous amount of time. That's the, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's quite a bit of time, maybe 15%. You know, this game is built on, these ballparks are built on, we want you to spend time here. We want you to get here early. Like you said, we want you to be comfortable and do that. If you shave off 20, 30 minutes off of the game, it inevitably is going to hurt the stadiums and, 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 and teams in terms of concession sales, souvenirs. I mean, you name it. Um, the minute that starts, and I think we're going to see that very quickly. Those numbers will come in within the first month. Then the league will have to do something about it. Um, and it's one of those things, are they more worried about television ratings? Um, but if their owners are saying, hey, wait a second, I'm losing money here at home, they're going to have to make some changes. So I, I think the pitch clock is here to stay. I think the clocks are not going to go away. Uh, what I'm predicting will probably happen if it doesn't happen in the middle of the season, but sometimes at the maybe after the season they're going to have to extend it. I think Roger made a good point earlier. We need more time, you know, 15 seconds and then 20 seconds with a person on base. Maybe it needs to be 20 seconds and 25 seconds. It only sounds like five seconds, but five seconds when you add that up over every batter, 
could equate to a lot more time, maybe 10 minutes at the end of the game, right? They'll have to do some, so it might've been a little bit too aggressive with how they wanted to move the game so fast. I, I think it's going to hurt them at the end. So we'll, we'll see. And I think this is going to be a very important issue because baseball is still one of those sports that makes a lot of money at the gate. Well, I mean, other sports, they're, they're getting a lot of their money from TV. Right. But especially with recently these Bally Regional Sports Networks that are about to go bust. And you're going to have, I mean, there are rumors that Major League Baseball may have to take over. And you're going to see teams like the Rockies. I forget which other team was on there. They're going to have their game shown on MLB Network because Bally's, they don't want to be in the business of broadcasting Major League Baseball games anymore. That's a problem. So if you're not getting revenue from these regional sports networks and then you start losing revenue at the stadiums, owners, I mean, we already have owners who refuse to spend money now. I mean, if this becomes more of a problem, you're going to have more of the haves versus the have-nots where these guys forget about uh, putting in a, a, a minimum a salary floor. These guys are going to sit there and say, I'm losing money. I can't afford to spend more money. What do you think, Babyface? I mean, I think it's going to be interesting on, on the attendance factors, right? Like, so now if people know, you know, before you'd go to a game, right, starts at 7, 7 10, right? You know it's probably going to end like 10, 10.30, right? So now if you go to game 7, 10, and it's over like by 9.30, and like, and you're getting off of work, and you know it's going to take you an hour, an hour and a half. Some people even drive farther. Some people might even drive two hours, right, to get to a game. So they're going to equate all that. Like, okay, I'm going to get there. I usually get there late, even when I'm driving two hours, right, and I get there like at like at 7.40, right, or 7.50, like, and the game's going to be over like 9-ish, like, why even go, right? I'm not gonna make that drive. They might be like, you know, I'm not. I'm not gonna make that drive. You know, it's it's not worth it, right? I'm be. I'm gonna be in the stadium for an hour and a half, and then I gotta leave. You know, so yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's gonna be people that think that way, right? And and we'll see. It's all a numbers game, right? Is it gonna? What are the numbers gonna look like? Is it affecting attendance? And if it if it starts affecting attendance, then you know it's gonna change. Yeah. Well, if I can add to that, I think it, we're starting to look a lot like basketball so basketball really only goes two hours and 15 220 yeah if you Laker game starts at 7 30 you're out of there about 9 50 um in the g league the games last about two hours and so nba games you got about 215 220 they're quick quick games so you know you're right it's a different sport i think people will adjust i think if i'm the dodgers i may move the 7 10 starts to 7 40 starts so my prediction with that is if it doesn't happen this year, sometime in the next year, they'll move these games to 740 starts knowing, in fact, I think it may help attendance. If I know I have kids and I can't stay there for three hours for a game because they can't stay there just three, three and a half hours and be patient for a game. And if I can get there out of work and be there at 740, that's better than a 710 start. And then I'm going to get out of there by about 10, 15, 10, 10. It, you know, so there's different ways you can play with that. I think we might have to push. I'm hoping if the Dodgers are listening, if that's the case, push your start times to 7:35, 7:40, knowing that the game's not going to go that deep. I mean, it's one of the reasons why they were moving games up to seven o'clock to begin with because they were going so long. Now that's gonna that's gonna open up a whole new can of worms. Dodger games have always started at seven ten. You can't change them to seven thirty. No, they used to start at seven thirty five. Yeah, they used to. Yeah, you yeah. remember the seven thirty five starts? They were always seven thirty five. Like, I mean, years. how really? Okay. Yeah, you don't as remember as that? I, 
As far as I remember, it's been like seven ten. No, no, Jason's I was, right. I, when I think of the seven ten, I always think about the Clayton Kershaw thing with uh, the game started seven ten. Remember? Yeah, like yeah. Ago no, with, uh, but Jason's right. There it was, was a period. Right? Really? Seven thirty five okay. starts. I remember those seven thirty five starts. I'd argue that they were moved to seven ten as the game started getting longer and longer yes. over the years. Okay. Absolutely. Might, I, that might not be a bad thing. Actually, this is a great conversation. I'm glad we're having this because these are all cool things that. The nuances, right? That 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 people are thinking about, and it's going to be exciting to see how what happens. Well, I, and 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 it's great. It's something to keep an eye on. So when it does happen, you guys know because everyone else is going to take credit for it. You heard it on the Bleed Lows podcast right. first, okay? Because everybody, like when Fernando Valenzuela's jersey got retired, oh, we've been talking about this all along. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? Have you? Okay, I want to wrap up the show with a couple of things, uh, real quick. So Miguel Vargas has a hairline fracture on his pinky, but he's still taking at-bats. And everybody's making this big deal about, like, you know he's not going to swing and how he has three walks in spring training. Like, why can't they get this guy out knowing that he's not going to swing? Okay, that's fine. They want him in the game because they want him tracking pitches. Here is my concern with this. I feel the Dodgers are playing with fire by doing this. Because if there's a pitcher who's having issues with his control or a pitch gets away from him and Miguel Vargas takes one on the hand and now you're going to lose Miguel Vargas for a period of time in a game that he shouldn't have been in there because he was already injured. We saw this when Justin Turner, what was it? It was his wrist, right, babyface? When he got hurt at the beginning of the season, he got hit on the wrist and then you lost him for a couple of months. The Dodgers are not in a position right now where they can lose more people. Is this just me being paranoid? Are you guys okay with Miguel Vargas taking at bats with a hairline fracture in his pinky? You see, th- this is why they call him the Prince of Darkness for putting this kind of stuff out there that we shouldn't even be thinking about. Like, you know, he's out there tracking pitches. Well, he's just surrounded by all these negative. He, he got the guy that thinks the Padres are going to take and he's got he, you. He can, he can get out of the way. If a ball's coming at him, he can get out of the way. Same thing if he's up there swinging. I, I mean, I don't I don't think that's, that's an issue with him standing in there. I mean, if he's going to get hit, it's going to be he's going to get hit when he's trying to swing or not. So you, you're of the theory that you just can't protect against injury. If an injury is going to happen, it's going to happen. Like Gavin Lux, unfortunately – you know, yeah. you ran like a baby giraffe. It was bound to happen that you were going to get hurt. There's just no vo- – it's fate, right? You're of just that, that theory? I mean, yeah. I mean, you're going to get hurt. Like I said, we were talking about this with Kershaw, right? If you're going to get hurt, it doesn't matter if it's a spring training game or a WBC game or a regular season game, right? Things can, things can happen, right? And things go sideways and you get hurt. Jason, you know, when once you came on the show and I heard your takes, I was like, finally, we have a smart person mm-hmm. on the show. What are your What are your thoughts? Uh, I, am I just overreacting? I think I should shut it down now, since you think I'm smart. <laughs> <laughs> I've quit while I'm ahead, right? So this is what I'll say really quick. I I think I would have said you were overreacting 48 hours ago, but now with the Lux injury, you have to play it safe. And so, I, I, I yeah, I, I think maybe you give him one look a game and you sit the guy down, but I'm a little bit more paranoid now. I'm not going to lie. When you're down people already. You're, you're on the fringes here. Um, just, just let the guy, you know, uh, take a couple of games here. It's, it's not going to hurt him. I get what they're trying to do. You know, have him track pitches. I mean, but you, if he's not going to swing, you can do that uh, at practice. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's – 
the guy is a is, is a professional at this point. I, I don't think, you know, it's just standing there or not standing there is going to affect his outlook in a couple of weeks. So if I had to make a decision, if I was a manager, I shut him down until he feels ready to go. Well, yeah, the good, and, and, real quick, the good news though is, it looks like by Saturday he should he should start swinging the bat. Right. So so hopefully it, we'll, we'll we'll clear this this little situation. And just remember, if between now and Saturday he does get hit on that hand, the first question they're going to ask Roberts is why was he in the game, yeah. knowing that he had this injury? And Roberts is going to give the same answer that Babyface said. Hey man, you could get hurt walking your doggy. You know, for a, there's a shout out for those of us that I are mean, back to the podcast fans. Joe Joe Musgrove dropped a weight on his big toe, and he's he's out. So, and and and, and wasn't there guys hurting themselves putting on their pants? Right, like there was a there, who was the guy who got hurt opening up a DVD? He like cut himself. Was it Bimo? Was it the ambassador that got hurt no, doing he, that? He, he he cut his hand at a bar. That's oh, right. I remember yeah. that. Boy, that's a name I didn't think I'd hear for a while. There's uh by the way, just letting you know, Jason, there's no slander of the ambassador Joe Bimo. He's a oh, friend okay. of the <laughs> So just giving you a heads up before you do that. All right, real quick, I want to end the show. I just want to segue because uh Jason Hayward hit a home run today. And previous to that, he had hit a home run off of Tony Gonsolin. So Everybody's on the Jason Hayward. He's fixed. That's it. He's going to be the starting Jay center fielder. He's going to be the starting center fielder. What I found interesting was Dave Roberts already said that David Peralta and Jason Hayward are going to be platooning in the outfield. So you already hear it. You're going to have Hayward and you're going to have Peralta facing righties. That means Thompson is going to be playing lefties. And as we had Cody Snavely on the show from Dodgers beat, Trace Thompson has reverse splits. So I don't know how this platoon thing is going to work. Hopefully uh, that reverse split doesn't stay with Trace Thompson and he actually starts hitting lefties. But if that's the case, I, I know you said this before, Babyface, that you think Outman now has a better shot of making the team if it's a given, and friend of the Carnesama, Juan Toribio, had already said Hayward is making the team, does that mean that maybe they'll look at Michael Bush, and especially with Gavin Lux's injury, they're maybe going to look at more infielders maybe making the team? And one last one to you guys before I go. This, uh, I can't pronounce his name, but this catcher that went, uh, uh, what was it, Hunter? Or, do, you, do you know what his name is, Babyface? Uh, no, off the top of my head. Nobody had like a home run the other day. He had night, a home right? run, adding like more a... to the catchers, yeah. to the Dodgers' depth that they just have all these loaded catchers. But, anyways, uh, Jason, wh what do you think? Are they, do you think they'll look now to add more of an infielder, or are we still looking at they're going to carry an extra outfielder? As you were mentioning those names, the more and more I get depressed. <laughs> I mean, then <laughs> you wonder why fans are going to wonder why I picked the Padres. That's why you were talking about Trace Thompson, David Peralta, Jason Hayward, Hasbins, and people who just, it just that's not going to do it, folks. It's not going to do it. And so, so I'll, I'll keep it short because I know we're towards the end. We need to make a move. We need to make a move. And even on their best game, it's, it's not you're not going to get anything amazing out of those folks. Now, I want to see Outman there every day. See, this is what I'm talking about. Roberts, he will do this. He will put Hayward and Peralta and Trace Thompson. And he'll fall in love with those guys. One of those guys will be hitting 200, and then it'll be July 15th or August 15th, 
okay, let's throw Outman now every day out there when it's almost too late. Outman has no business in the minors. The guy's tore it up down there. Even on his worst day, I guarantee you he will do better than Trace Thompson out there or even Peralta or even what Hayward can get. And I'm optimistic. They will do okay. I think as a third option in the outfield. Right now, you do not have two legitimate strong outfielders in this Dodger ball club. They just don't. You have Mookie Betts, and that's it. And you got a bunch of mediocre bench players out there that who you're hoping and platooning and moving around and you're lighting candles in church hoping that they'll do something at best. This is why I say give Outman a chance. Give Vargas a chance. They could not do any worse than what you've got out there already anyway in some of these guys. But if you can make a good deal because you're stacked. I've always said with the minors, you either play them or trade them. Play them or trade them. No reason to keep them there. That's why you have a minor league system. Cartaya, he should be our backup. That other guy has no business being our backup catcher. That's a whole other episode I don't want to get into. But that's my thing. He should be our backup catcher right now. Instead, he's just sitting there picking his nose. So if you're not going right. to play Austin Barnes is never coming on the show now because of Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing personal with these guys. I'm sure they're wonderful human beings and great husbands and boyfriends and dads and moms <laughs> and all that stuff. Or dads, I guess. But the point is, it's just, you know, it is what it is. You got Cartaya. Why isn't he your backup catcher? So if you're not going to play him, trade him and trade him for something good. He's not going to come in for Will Smith. Will Smith is a proven young catcher. That position is his. You know, it's just I don't know why you would say Cartaya would be just sitting there when everybody is chomping at the bins in Major League Baseball for this guy. You're not going to play him. You're not going to trade him. So what is he going to sell peanuts? I don't understand what what the, what the deal is. Anyways, you got me into another soapbox. <laughs> You know, Jason, I wish you would feel comfortable enough where you could tell me what you really think on these, <laughs> uh, on these matters. Babyface, uh, last word before we end the show. Are you still confident in your pick that Outman is going to be the last guy who makes the squad? So Hunter Fiducia. There we the, go, Hunter the Fiducia. So, I mean, just last week, right, we were, we were talking about Outman, and, and I didn't think at that time – I don't. I didn't see Outman making the squad, right? Just because the numbers game, right? They weren't going to give him a chance. Yeah, he'd go down. He, you know, he'd go down and let him do his thing, like he continued, you know, from last year. But now with the injury, I do think Outman has a as a spot, like especially if what David Roberts has said is true, that Chris Taylor is going to see more more time in the infield. So you have Taylor in the infield more often. That that brings a spot for for Outman in the outfield. So I think. It depends what they want to do. Do they want to keep Altman in the outfield, or does Michael Bush get a look at, you know, second base? You know, is he going to be the guy? You know, so and and I think and Bush also can play some late some left field, so they can you know, they can throw him out there in the left field as well. Um, so I think it's going to become between, come down maybe between those guys, Altman or Michael Bush, probably for for one of those last spots. Maybe I one know. of them can be your closer because we don't have one of those either. <laughs> Anyway, well, we, we we didn't get to that, so um, that's your that, teaser for the next show. There you go. On, on on that note, I think we have a new Prince of Darkness. I I don't want to hear it anymore. Okay, I'm I'm rays, sunshine, you know, everything compared to Jason. So uh, for those of you watching on the YouTube, uh, make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube. For those of you listening on the podcast, make sure you're subscribed. Spread the word. Let people know we're still looking for ambassadors of the carne asada. For those of you who are interested, please reach out to us via the Twitters, 
or Instagram. You can reach out to the Dodgers Beat account. You can reach out to the Bleed Lows podcast. You can go to our website. Send us an email. Write us a letter if you're one of those old-fashioned people. Uh, help us spread the word about the Bleed Lows podcast. I want to thank our, our special guest, uh, Jason Barquero. And hopefully this is one of many visits that you make to the Bleed Lows podcast, Jason. And we haven't scared you away because I don't have a problem with anything that you said today. Now, you may start getting some hate uh, on the social medias after this episode. But hey, man, that that's you have your opinions. You have your hot takes. We appreciate that. You know, one of the and I, and I love being here. This is a ton of fun. So I'll be here as, as long as you guys will have me. I'll just say this. One of my uh, radio idols is Howard Stern. And they have proven that more people listen to Howard because they hate him than because they like him. So if I can have people listen to your show because they want to come at me, I'm more than happy to be that guy. So I'm, I'm a Dodger, L.A. guy, Kings fan, Laker fan, Rams fan, the whole thing. So if you're not a Rams fan, you can come at me about that, too. But, um, yeah, L.A. all the way. So. There you go, baby. They see we were approaching this all the wrong way. We just needed to be more haters. We just needed to be haters. That's all we need. I'll fix that for you very quickly. <laughs> there you go. So once again, guys, subscribe to the podcast. Yo ha sido su servidor, Juan Ramirez. De parte de mis colegas, Jason and Babyface. This has been another episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast and has been brought to you by betonline.ag, where the game starts. Nos vemos para la próxima. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 